The Money Show. Other people's money. Welcome back to The Money Show. My name is Moto Horipe, standing in for Bruce. Now, each week, Bruce Whitfield interviews a well-known guest about their attitude towards money, their hopes and fears, successes and failures. And tonight, we have a very interesting guest. She's a master at work in front of the camera and on stage as a seasoned actress. She's also known for lending her talents to some of the world's biggest brands through her dialogue training and voiceover work. But tonight, she takes on a different role. She's in the hot seat in our nosy feature other people's money fiona ramsey welcome to the money show good evening lovely to be here great for you to join us is there a role that you would play for free no (laughs) um it's interesting that you say that because at present i'm doing a play that opens this week at the theater on the square which is hansard which i've produced myself under the Troop Theatre Company. So I'm kind of doing it for free until we go into profit. But um, it's not for free. I wouldn't do it for someone else for free, put it that way. (laughs) Of course, with your talents, nothing should be free. When did you get interested in bringing uh, those scripted characters to life? When did that begin for you? Well, um, I was quite young when I realized that theatre held a lot of magic for me. and it was the heyday of theatre, really, when I went, you know, there was a lot more um, theatre on than there is now. Um, and we didn't have television in those days in South Africa. So the theatre was a really viable uh, way, not only of making a living, but for producers to make a living. And that has certainly changed because I think your margins have to be so high um, to, in, to to enable you to to make it uh, sustainable. But um, I've always been interested in acting and it's my one true love and I'm happiest when I'm on stage, happier than anywhere in the world. I mean, just take us back. I mean, going into the theatre back then, how much was it at the door? How much were the door takings? And how did the industry manage to still be commercially viable? I I hear you saying it's not the same uh, these days. Well, it's interesting, you know, that um, when I got, uh, when I was told it was coming onto this uh, program, I wondered when, when did I have my first um, kind of experience of money? And that was when I was at the Girl Guide, strangely enough. And you always had to keep a piece of string in your pocket and enough to make a phone call. Well, of course, that's all changed with the cell phones. But it's always stuck with me that I need to have something in my purse for an emergency. So... I think that has kind of shaped in a way, the way I think about money. But when I left university, I was at university, we formed Truth Theatre Company when I was at university. And so um, as soon as we left, we started uh, producing shows and we always came out with some profit that we put back in to another production. I think we made the princely sum of 500 rand a week, which wasn't a little then. Sometimes it was a hundred rand a week, but it was our own hard earned winnings from something that we wanted to do. So it was always plowed back into the product though. And before you got on stage and got paid for, for your talents, um, just as a, a young lady back home, uh, what was the upbringing like and what was the money, some of the money lessons that you, you picked up uh, growing up? Well, um, my parents always believed that you should do everything you want to do and money shouldn't be an obstacle. Um, And for them, it worked. Um, How that kind of panned out. But my father never believed that you shouldn't go on holiday. 
He said, take a loan from the bank, go on holiday. You know, your your life needs to be rich and your life needs to be full. And I think that stayed with me a lot. Having said that, um, I never really was wanted for money. I went to St. Mary's School for Girls and, you know, I, I went to UCT. So, you know, I, I don't think that there was ever a, not enough money. So I was privileged and I'm the first person to acknowledge that. But at the same time, um, my parents had sacrificed something to, to send me there, and I was aware, well aware of that. So I, um, you know, that sort of responsibility has never left has never left me. And in fact, I remember the first job I did was when I was still at school, and it was being a, a teller at Pick and Pay, and I earned my first. That was what my first real kind of proper job, um, and I was I think I was in matric or something, and. I remember saving that money um, and saying to my father, I want to go and do a sailing course in uh, Simonstown to learn how to sail a yacht. And so we all did it, but I contributed to it. And so that was the first time I ever was aware of saving money and, 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 and spending it on something I wanted to do, which wasn't related to my career. And in terms of yachting, was that something you wanted to do as a career or something you took on the side? I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe we nearly lost you to that part of the world. <laughs> no, it was really, it was for, for um, kind of, I, I love going to the bush. I love going on holiday. Travel is a major expense for me. It's a major necessity, you know, to be exposed to other cultures to, and especially as an actress to, you know, to to experience as much as you can makes you it just gives you so much resource to be able to play other characters um you know it's important to go out and 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 see other places see uh, be exposed to other ways of life and i think sailing was just part of that the great outdoors i love going to the bush um and in fact we bought my parents bought a boat and we sailed a bit but it never took off so you would never have lost me to the high seas i'm afraid <laughs> and i hear you say you were in retail at a very young age at pick and pay uh what are some of the characters that you saw walk through there in terms of their walks on life i know in terms of acting and uh, being a producer and a writer in your field um, you look at people in a different way in terms of uh, you look at them as characters. Uh, they'll be the well-heeled and those that are just barely making it. So standing there at pick and pay, what are some of the characters that you came across in terms of how people spent money back then? Um, I think it was quite interesting because um, you also realize that uh, the well-heeled people were some of the people that very often try to get, take their baskets through without paying for everything, um, which I found quite extraordinary. Whereas um, people with less money were much kind of seemed to be more honest and more, um, you know, spending within their means. I always found that quite interesting. But it's interesting that I started off in retail at uh, Pick and Pay. And when I went to live in England, um, you always have to do a second job to supplement your income as an actress yeah. in England because especially when you're starting out. And I was um I worked at Tiffany, the jeweler shop at Tiffany as my my kind of day day oh, that's job. Luxury market, and yeah. And it was amazing. Well, I mean it's 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 a huge leap from pick and pay to, to yeah. Tiffany's, but uh, the people that you meet are the same. And that was great because that gave me huge kind of resource for research, you know, of characters, of very well-heeled characters that come in, people that are just about to get married, that have saved up all their money to do it. So um, I think as an actress, 
Um, if you had to ask me, I'm curious about everything. So money is just one thing that I'm curious about, but people I'm incredibly curious about. And I think that's what keeps me so interested in life generally. Well, we are speaking to Fiona Ramsey, the legendary South African actress, about her approach to money and some of the money lessons she's picked up in her career. Of course, she's played in Hard Copy, Heartlines and Jacob's Cross. We'll be picking up that conversation after this. The Money Show. Other people's money. We're chatting to Fiona Ramsey, South Africa's legendary actress, about her approach to money and some of her financial failures as well. You know, uh, Fiona, I spent about 50 minutes of my time today uh, watching one of your videos where you're coaching uh, young actors uh, on voice and breath, well-being and empowerment. Um, and I'm hoping that the way I'm projecting my voice, uh, I've learned something from you and how to <laughs> keep my posture as well. But I think you should be getting paid for those definitely. For me to watch them uh, for free on YouTube is not fair at all. But I'm hoping that my lessons are coming through there. Uh, but in terms of the first paycheck that you got and you felt, look, as an artist, I feel I can make a living out of this. When was that? Um, I think it was quite soon after I left university, but I have to say that in the in the arts community and in the arts industry, it really is a kind of feast or famine. And I suppose what if I if if I regret anything, it's that in the feast times I didn't necessarily put away uh, enough. Mm. But in the famine times, and that that really is. Um, is the landscape of the arts community. You're either inundated with work and you're juggling two or three jobs or you're doing a very, very lucrative job or you have nothing for months. Um, and so you have to really explore all avenues um, to, to to make a living. You have to do voiceovers. So you, 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 it's, you can do it, but it's difficult to specialize in one area. You have to do voiceovers adverts, you have to be flexible enough to do stage, film work, t television work, radio work, and obviously to teach when you can. And sometimes you have to do another job completely. So um, when I left South Africa in uh, to go to England, when I left South Africa, my typing speed, for example, was 25 words a minute. When I came back from England five years later, my typing speed was 125 words Whoa. a minute, which kind of indicates how much temping work I've done in lawyers' offices and all that kind of thing. Um, but I think, you know, that the, the nature of it being feast or famine means that, that actors have a very erratic, erratic income and an erratic uh, life like that. And I'm no exception to that. Um, you mentioned earlier that, um, that I'd worked with, with people in terms of dialogue coaching with a lot of international um, actors and film stars and, that was actually, the, those sort of jobs are very lucrative working on a film because it spans three months or six months. And as a dialogue coach, you are part of the crew. So you're earning a weekly salary. And so you can put something away. And in fact, I bought my house um, based on how much I'd accrued and knew I could kind of pay off my house in the, in the, which was a luxury, which doesn't always happen to actors. And you do mention, yes, you're working with megastars, uh, one of my favorites, Don Cheadle the, as well, and uh, Jennifer Hudson, uh, Idris Elba. The, the type of stars that you're coaching, though, that, 
it's it's ultra wealth you know those are the guys that get the big bucks and you know how how do you see them approaching money as you work with them uh, are, are they the same with us are they worried about their bills or you know are they just having a laser fair kind of life about money no in fact you mentioned jennifer uh, hudson i mean jennifer is unbelievably canny about money and jennifer will try and get sponsorships for every single thing she ever does which um she has the leverage to do it because you know she's a world she's famous an international yeah. singer and all that but she's i learned that from her actually she is very strategic if she has to appear on the cover of a magazine she will get um she will get people to sponsor her clothes her clothes are mostly sponsored uh her 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 all her everything that she has done is sponsored and it's a kind of thing that is not that prevalent in south africa we don't really i mean there are people that that are sponsored by certain products mm. and, and and brands but it's not it's it, it's far more prevalent in in the united states and i also say idris elba i mean with money idris was very very canny with money he was he you know he'd throw a party for all of us but <laughs> at the same time he he didn't live a life that was flamboyant and lavish and throw money through money around not at all most of those people didn't actually and let's uh, look back at the south african industry in terms of money i, I mean the us um blockbuster stars have mega budgets but what's money like in south africa do actors speak up in terms of how much they want signed on that check in terms of the talents that they have and the value that they bring to films and production i think that in south africa we have a very difficult uh, situation because for example we don't have royalties or or um so if you do a television series you don't earn any royalty money you don't any residuals you even for repeats you, know, you don't earn anything uh, from those now most of the actors that i've ever met internationally um have lived off those residuals of stuff they've done in on british television and in, in fact i was on british television in three four um series one was the bill and one was something else and i still get a check for 500 pounds um that's a pretty so penny often for those rescreenings but it doesn't exist in south africa we try to set it up before there are a few individuals that do manage to get um that do manage to follow it up it's quite a long process but that really contributes to um very reduced income for south african actors because we don't get points we don't buy in and get a, a percentage of 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 in, of of films or 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 our tele or our work actually so it's very different it's a very different scenario and i think it's affected actors a lot what do you think it is is it the political will because in some countries um the arts are ta- taken very seriously there's a whole lot of funding and sponsorship in place so that artists can be able to tell the story of the day you know that's how important arts is in other countries but do you think the financial backing in south africa is is where it's supposed to be um no not at all i think you know always uh, sports will always be much higher obviously it's got more revenue but um and it, it i think it's a, a global concern actually although of course there's a lot of big business um and 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 huge investment that goes into broadway west end sydney uh, you know the theaters in sydney in the major centers 
um, and not so much in South Africa. Um, I think that the, that the arts it, it has been lumped together, uh, sadly, with sports. We now the Department of Sports and Recreation and, and the arts falls under that. We don't have a separate ministry. And I think it's very short-sighted because the arts can really, the revenue that other countries um, gain from from the, the taxes and all sorts of things on Broadway and, and, and the West End, that though though that they generate an enormous amount of um, tax for the for their respective countries for the cities, and I think it's short sighted of our own you know political um, parliament government. I think you know there's there's a there's a, an interest in kind of marking history and marking historic events, which is all part of it, but it's more heritage based than it is forward thinking in terms of creating new work, creating new environments for for, for the youth. I mean, I'm, I'm also the head of the department at Witz Theatre, I mean, Witz um, University, um, Theatre and Performance, um, which is one of the departments of the Witz School of Arts. And so I see a lot of young people coming in and, you know, they've been into the profession and they've been kind of thwarted a little bit about what is the future. There mm. isn't a great future there's no great subsidy for the arts in the country. There are subsidies of various projects. There's the National Arts Council, which you apply for funding for. But honestly, the pot is so tiny that it's never going to really um, make an inroad into in, into people's financial um, stability. You know, and that's what we need to do. We need to create uh, sustainability for the arts yeah. and for for the arts practitioners. And that is not, I mean, the, the arts practitioners don't even have a pension fund. We don't have, you know, so it's, 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 it's kind of, so what ends up happening is a lot of very privileged, I suppose, people or people that can uh, afford to do theater. Mm. It, it's almost gone back to the middle ages where, where we lose talent because rich. of money. Yes, that they could dabble in it because they were rich or they were supported by husbands, but actual practitioners and arts, and a lot of those people are very, very, very talented, and they just don't get the chance. Oh, that's quite unfortunate. But just lastly, uh, Fiona, you're well known in the industry for embodying the adage, you are what you speak. So is your approach to money the same? <laughs> I suppose, yes. But I think my, I look at money as a means to a good life. Uh, what that good life is, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to say you are your money because I look at the Kardashians and I don't think I want to be. That. <laughs> um, but I think you are, you know, I think you've got to use your money wisely. And I don't think I don't think splashing out on things, especially in this economic climate. I mean, it's absolutely globally where, you know, we're under incredible restraint and we we have to. Um, rein ourselves in as it were but i'm going to ask you if i can just mention about the play that opens this week if i may um, go right ahead on the theater square in 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 in, in santon it's called hansard and it's quite interesting because it does deal with economic policy so it's quite fitting Italian. quite fitting um, yes it does it, it it deals with economic policy and 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 government actually and what government needs to uh uh, imagination. What did you say the name of the play was? But anyway, 
It's called Hansard, H-A-N-S-A-R-D, which is actually the, the parliamentary um, record of parliament. And it's in South Africa, as well as England. This play happens to be set in England. But it's at the Theatre on the Square. You can book it, compute tickets, um, or you can go online to the Theatre on the Square, which you can click the link to compute tickets, or you can phone, and I'm going to give you one phone number for the Theatre on the Square, 83 377 all right, then that was Fiona Ramsey on the Other People's Money feature today, telling us about her view on money and some of her failures with money, but also giving us some great advice to save what we can.